Welcome, welcome to another rendition of WTF Interviews. Uh, I'm Boris Brialis, and I'm with my uh, prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. What's up, what's and up? We have our special guest, Rennell. Go ahead and introduce yourself, brother. What's going on, good peoples? What's going on, y'all? First, thanks for having me on today. Uh, my name is Rennell Starks. I am a father, a, a father of two, um, a husband, and originally from Chicago, moved to Detroit, and now currently residing in North Carolina. Quick introduction. Uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us. So um, before we get started in the interview, I want to tell you, uh, tell everybody a quick story. And I don't know if you remember this, but uh, Rennell <laughs> has always been like a, like a, uh, a hero of mine and he saved he saved me from getting attacked by a rat (laughs) (laughs) you do remember that i don't remember that okay okay yeah i'll have to be maybe like four or five years old and uh well for the people that don't know renell is my cousin so I had to be like four or five years old and we were over my great grandmother's house um, on the west side. So like the way that her back, uh, her backyard is, when you come out the house, you walk down the stairs and then like you sit, if, like you, if you sit on the stairs, you sit facing um, the neighbor's house and then the yard is to your right. So one day I was eating a sandwich and I came out the house and I sat on the stairs and I was eating my sandwich. I wasn't really paying attention. And then like out of my peripheral vision, I see Rennell like hitting the ground. He hitting the ground with something. And I look over and he got a brick in his hand and he beating the rat. (laughs) 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 He beating the rat with with the brick. Ah, damn. It's probably like maybe like four or five feet away from where I was sitting. So I'm like, dang. So I, I get up and run in the house. Like, <laughs> but I guess the, the rat was about to, you know, try to get my sandwich or something, man. And, and he saw it and, and killed the rat. And like, since that day, I, I always looked at this guy as a hero, man. That's the OG <laughs> moment right there. <laughs> hey, you don't remember that? I don't remember that, but uh, you know, I definitely appreciate the sentiment, but I don't know if we cause people to think that I'm semi-crazy or sadistic <laughs> out here. And you just said we had rats at our house. Now it's all out. But uh it, it was outside. It was it was outside in the yard. <laughs> no, but just the fact like this kid, I was if I was like four or five, he had to been what, like eight or nine? Probably about eight. Eight. So an eight-year-old, an eight-year-old killing a, a rat, a big-ass rat with a brick. I don't, that that yeah. always stuck in my head, man. So what do you think? Um, <laughs> do, do you feel like you're like a courageous person or somebody that, that's down in a square? Uh, courageous, I, I I do honestly think of myself a little bit courageous. Um, <laughs> not, I don't know about from a superhero standpoint, but just in general with, you know, just things I've done in life, stepping out there on a limb, um, you know, to see what happens, you know, not being afraid to jump out there, uh, 
probably sometimes not to my to the positive, but just simply not being afraid to jump out there and do what's right or, you know, try to make a difference and in my life or anybody's close to me. Okay. Is that something that you try to instill in, in your sons? Uh, oh, most most definitely, especially um, in, in the doing what's right piece. The, a lot of times to do what's is, is one of the hardest and most courageous things you have to do because a lot of times people around you aren't doing what's right. So you have to kind of be that that eyeball out there to jump out and say, no, I'm not doing this shit um, or go the other way and do something different. Uh, you know, even with just business, you know, when you think about from a business perspective, whether it's your career or your own personal business, you have, it takes a lot of um, guts to jump out there and try to open a business, whether it's a full time or whether it's a, a, your side hustle, if you will, it takes a lot because it's money and energy um, and time that you're inputting into it. But you have to, you have to do it. Um, I always have a, a back, uh, back of my mind philosophy is I, I rather know than to wonder. Um, and, and basically that just means I'm going to try to know that I could do it or I couldn't. Yeah. I rather, I rather fail than just be sitting there like, man, should I have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I definitely push, push my kids, you know, even my oldest, the, the youngest is three. So we haven't quite yet there yet, but definitely push the oldest to, you know, be you. You know, don't be afraid to be you. Don't be afraid to try different things. Um, as long as you don't end up in the hospital at this point. But. <laughs> How old is the oldest? Uh, the oldest is eight. Eight and three. So what would you say the difference is between you as a father when you first found out you was becoming a father with the eight-year-old to the three-year-old? Um... I don't know if there is a true difference. Um, and, and when you say that, just in my response to becoming a father the second time, or just how I handle fatherhood or fathering my second child? Yeah, however you want to answer it, bro. Oh, so I would say there probably wasn't any difference in um, the second child outside of surprise because we wanted a little girl, but <laughs> came out to be a boy. Um, so there wasn't a difference in terms of, you know, I'm going to be a father again. It wasn't nervous or anything of that perspective. Uh, from a fathering him type thing, uh, I, I think we learned a lot of things financially more so for ourselves. So all the fancy shit and all the extra shit that we bought the first time <laughs> changed uh, from that. So I became more financial savvy from the, from the first one. You know, he had probably a pair of Jordans, a two-two extra, and a whole lot of clothes with tags on them. We didn't do that again. Um, I, I do think that because we have an older one, the the younger one probably definitely gets away with a little, lot more than the than the older one did. Um, and, and my kids honestly teach me a lot, especially with it with communication, um, how to be direct. Um, and as my younger one comes up, I'll probably do a better job, but just being direct and saying what you mean, um, because they'll, you'll say some stuff and they'll be like, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, and this odds bit, like, I'll never forget one time I told my son to kick rocks and, you know, I'm just joking. <laughs> he what I'm saying. Saying. And he didn't know what I, he was like, well, why would I kick rocks? 
you know, and it's just like little things. Of course, there are kids that don't know that, but it's it's just little lessons to me like that. Like, just mean what you say. Stop, stop just saying stuff. Just mean what you say, and you don't think about that around adults and other other people, older people, because you just talk, and they most of the time get it. But a lot of times, what you if you sit and think about it, they don't really understand what you're saying. They just roll with it. So why not just be straightforward and, and say what you mean? Um, I, I also think that um, it's very insightful to me. One thing I said that I've learned about being a parent in general is that parents are pretty much here to be hypocritical. Uh, and, and, and it's kind of a joke, but... Because when you think about it, a lot of things, when you try to raise your kid, you're raising them to do a lot of the stuff that you are doing. So, again, I wish you this. Stop that damn cursing. (laughs) You know, you get on your kid for cursing, but you walk through the house cursing, you know, or you curse from time to time. Uh, They're yelling. You yell at them to stop yelling. Mm. What was the point of that? Um, you try to teach them how to to, to manage their anger and, and be cool when they get upset. But when you get upset, the first thing you're doing is yelling. Yeah. Uh, you know, you try to teach them not to to fight per se. You know, always protect yourself. We uh, we know that. You know, end it. Don't start to end it. But at the same time, you know, with with whoopings, you're kind of teaching them or molding them to say if something don't go your way, then you can do this to make people get, uh, make people do it your way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I never forget my son said like, man, I can't wait when I get kids and I, when I get older and have kids, I'm going to whoop them too. And <laughs> like, it was kind of crazy because it's like the only thing he got out of that was I can whoop somebody, almost just the dominance of it. Not necessarily that it was a corrective measure, you know? So that helped me to make sure that, if he did, now I'm a whooper. Don't don't misunderstand that. But I ain't a, I ain't a beater. Or every time you do something, it's a whooping. But the first thing is to make sure that I'm explaining what the the issue or the concern is, even if it's before or after. We have to have some some touch point to make sure he understands what he did and why this had to occur. Um, you know, so those are things that kind of going forward, I'll, I'll take with me. So yes, the little one's going to get some whoopings, but you know. <laughs> very important is that it's not for everything and that I kind of bring some context. Um, I I underestimated kids. That's one thing they did. I've been around kids all my life, but never mine or to be a parent of them. But kids are a lot smarter than you think. And um, for me, I think I underestimated, you know, my son a lot. And he taught me that, no, don't, don't underestimate me. I know some things. I see some things. So. Hmm. So what was the lesson like? What was the, um, when did you come to that conclusion that kids are smarter than what you think they are? Um, I think just kind of, you know how, again, here's another thing where we're kind of um, hypocrites, like you teach them not to lie, mm-hmm. but, you know, or keep secrets, but then you go and do this, like, don't tell mama. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, you got to go to sleep where the boogeyman's going to get you. You know, you, you, you're saying all this crazy shit to them. And, you know, he comes back and it's like, well, that doesn't make sense. You told me don't lie, but you said don't tell mommy this. You know, in my mind, you're a kid. You're going along with what I'm going to tell you to do. We're just going to flow along. 
But in his mind, he has rationalized all these things out in his head. Like, hold on, let me think about this. And just looking at his rationalization of that, I'm like, okay, you're you're thinking. I not think he's dumb or anything, but <laughs> you're thinking on another level. You're not just going with with the flow. Yeah. And you know, and and I just as I talk to kids a little bit more after him, I just see that their minds are always thinking and they think very rationally and linear, uh, at very on a linear level. And I just never expected to have, you know, some of the, the conversations that we have. Um, I'll never forget just a couple months ago, um, my son and um, one of my friends down the street, her daughter is five. And I think the oldest child might, might've been nine mm-hmm. and a, another five-year-old. And they are in here talking about uh, Donald Trump and they're talking about politics. And my son is telling me about the senator that he wants to win um, here in North Carolina. And I'm just like, dude, this is not even, I barely care now. I'm just kidding. But, you know, (laughs) no way, shape, form or fashion at eight that would have ever been a discussion, a thought you know, process. So I, I just realized they process on something di- different nowadays. Um, and, and like I say, the internet too, I know we talked about that a little earlier, you know, some of the things that are out there, he learned a lot from them. You know, when he was four or five, he was naming off and pronouncing dinosaur names that grownups barely can do. And it just amazed me. And, you know, when I thought about it, I'm like, well, should you really be amazed? They're, they're smart. You know, it's just something I think they, shouldn't have been doing but I'm like kids are smart so yeah that's funny I remember when I had came out to you all's house in Detroit and um I think your son was maybe I think he had to be about like five and he said about three or four he turned five here in North Carolina or that that year so probably about well no because it was that year that you came right yeah before okay yeah so about four or five yep and um he said uh, a gondola. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the, how do you know what a gondola <laughs> How do you even know how to pronounce gondola? Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Is that something like um, that you all tried to instill in him when he was a baby, like to buy, like to read him stories or books or something with different words? And um, So... I'll be honest with you to say um, reading was um, a big thing for us. We did read to him, um, and I would say my wife more so. Not that I didn't want to read, but um, I think I'm more of a dad when I read. So, you know, usually the kids' book, there's the highs and the lows that you're supposed to hit and the rars and the tweet tweets, and the wife does it a lot better than I do. So, you know, and that kind of keeps them interested in in it than my dry reading voice. Um, so she did a lot of reading with him. Um, and I don't think that it was a aim to teach big words. Like, I've never been a fan of that. All these kids know big words and all that, but can't spell their name or don't know the ABCs. Like, that's not it. Yeah. But I think from reading, um, you know, at home and then also the school, the daycares, and they did a lot of good work, too he learned how to read. And what I mean by that is he learned how to pronounce words. He know how to sound things out. And that was huge, I think, because uh, he can sound things out to to almost perfection now. I don't know what it means, but the fact that he can even put those words together and say 
say the word like it actually should be is huge. And I think that comes from reading and just learning how words kind of go together. So are you all doing that with your second son? Um, the second one, we we do read to him. Um, I will say probably admittedly not as much um, because he's Narelle, the oldest one, took more of a liking to reading, so we could kind of wrestle him down and sit him down and he'll do that. The old, younger one is kind of getting there where he's bringing books to you, um, but in terms of trying to sit him down to read, he is like, oh, hell no, nah, I'm, I'm really good on that. I'm out. And, you know, you can't really wrestle him down because it's really pointless because you're going to wrestle him and he crying and we still ain't getting nothing done. Um, so I think just seeing us or seeing his brother, too, has been, uh, I think, influential to him, honestly, where he sees him with books. So he'll go grab a book. Um, he'll bring books to us to read. But he's, uh, you know, he's, uh, and sometimes, man, I just got to be honest, it's, it's, sometimes I just think it's just dumb luck. You know, I can't say that we can take credit for, you know, the smarts or some of the intelligence that our, our kids have. Um they just figure out things like the the baby knows how to write some of his letters. That's not something we sat down and, and deal with him. Um, now we've tried, but again, that's a wrestle. <laughs> but he somehow has a, a good eye for things that can imitate in drawing. Um, you know, he just drew a penguin the other day that was like, like crazy, dude, like stuff I can't even draw. Now, I mean, it wasn't the most, I ain't talking about uh, art, but for for a three-year-old, you can distinctly tell it was a penguin. Yeah. Um, he, he builds Legos, and I don't know if you're hip to a siren head. They just put me up on it, this little thing on YouTube. Um, but it has, like, two sirens, like two bullhorns. It's the head of it. And, you know, he and it has two arms and two legs. And the youngest took Legos and basically recreated this this monster. He drew this monster. And, you know, without him saying it, you can tell what it was. So he just kind of has an eye, you know, we're writing ABCs and he almost, he pretty much can duplicate it, not perfectly, but he can look at what you did and then go ahead and replicate it. So, you know, he's picking up. He's writing them? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's more visual, um, seems to be more visual where Narelle was more, I think, um, cerebral. He, He wants to read stuff and take in knowledge. Um, Kyron is probably more like me, like, let me tell me, let me see, and I'll do it. <laughs> I don't want to read it. <laughs> okay. so, so what would you say you, um, what's one thing you took away from your dad or uh, one thing you would want to, I guess, pass down to your kids that your dad passed on to you? Uh, well, nothing and be there is probably <laughs> is the answer. <laughs> uh, be there would be the answer for me. <laughs> I guess you could say he passed that down uh, that from a uh, single single uh, mom household. Um, so I think that does definitely play a role for me uh, because I know that it was something that, you know, I always wanted. You know, I guess it really, in essence, who doesn't want two parents? And for a boy, you know, who doesn't want a a father to do these things with baseball, basketball, um, you know, whatever it is, just, you know, wrestle with, you know, just things that you kind of interact and and picture doing with your with your father. So, you know, and knowing that something I wanted even before having kids, 
Um, and I always said, regardless of how it turned out that I had kids, um, <laughs> that um, I would still, I would always be a, a good father. Um, I would always be there for my kid, you know, make sure that I, I give my all and strive to do any and everything I could for my child and make sure that, you know, my goal for them, and I, and I tell my son this all the time, is for you to be a, a better version of me. You know, sometimes you say, well, I want to do what you want to do, or I want to say, no, what you want to do is, is have, do better than what I do. You want to do things differently. Um, most importantly, still be yourself because, you know, it's not a competition. You know, you may have a different path, but, you know, ultimately you still want to be better, better than what I was. That's my goal for them. Okay. So um, have you have you and your wife ever, like, uh, disagreed on the way that y'all handle the kids? Um, not so much. Not so much in theory. Um, we both are okay with uh, forms of discipline, meaning, you know, spanking or mm. going to your room or whatever that case is, you know, slapping the back of the head. There's no disagreement there. Um, I think the, with the baby, the baby is the baby. So again, he gets away with a, a few more things where I'm more like, no, that's it. I don't care if he cries, you know, put him in the room, put him to a side where she may cater to him a little bit more in that respect to say, okay, let me try to calm him down where I don't care if you cry, you cry yourself to sleep. If ain't nothing wrong, you know, you just kind of being from a, a baby perspective. But in theory, you know, generally we are kind of on the same lines and, you know, we, we had this talk even before we got married, kind of what's your thoughts and philosophies there in terms of raising kids. Okay. So like we had a conversation around like um, arguing or arguments in a relationship and you said mm -hmm. that you and your wife never got into an argument. Mm -hmm. So explain to everyone that of how many years of marriage? This is 12 now. Okay, in 12 years of marriage. Uh, you can fuck it up. <laughs> okay, four, <laughs> get it right. This is where everybody lean in right here. <laughs> <laughs> So in 14 years of marriage, how are you all able to have a type of relationship where there is um, no arguments? Um, you know, to be honest with you, I think it's kind of, it's kind of simple. Um, and to me, arguing, my house is, is my peace and my sanctuary. So it can't be out of order and it can't be, you know, that type of tension in the air from an argument. Now, I caveat this and always say that. That don't mean we haven't been mad or that I have done something that she didn't like or agree with and vice versa. That's okay because we're two different people. So there's going to be difference of opinions. Um, but in terms of when those opinions have to be expressed, that's what it really all comes down to. Um, expressing those opinions, being able to talk civilly. Um, and that doesn't take away the passion from it. It doesn't mean that I have to sit down and use and, and sugarcoat and flowery everything, but it means that I still have to be civil. That means I have a voice. I say what I have to say. She has a voice. 
she says what she has to say and most importantly that we hear each other um at the end of the day it comes down to agreeing to agree or agreeing to disagree and we have to know uh we do a pretty good job of cutting off to say well you know i understand this but here's where i was coming from or here's what i was thinking that's why i was doing it or shit, i was wrong you know i i don't know why i did that shit, or that was stupid and you know, my bad or whatever the case is. So you have to be able to admit honestly when you're wrong too. Can't be stubborn about it. Yeah. And um, you know, I take my hat off to myself and say that I, I'm definitely good at uh, apologizing or you know recognizing when I'm wrong. And I think that's kind of the format that we use. I don't have to overtalk her. She doesn't have to overtalk me to get her point across. And it's not a, that's not the, that's not the goal of our conversation for me to force you to see my way. It's just to provide understanding of where I'm coming from. Because hell, sometimes I may just be being a little uh, dramatic or a little bit soft at the moment. moment, And she may be like, nah, I think you might be over, overthinking that or whatever the case is. So I think that's our goal, but it's not to say that we don't, that we agree on everything or we don't, um, be mad or have a moment um that's just natural it's just how we handle it so like um i mean you've always been like a really mature person um do you think you're what'd you say that sometimes that was a mature decision he made what was it when he uh when he killed that rat for you Oh yeah, it was. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, even as a little kid, he always seemed um like real mature, handled his business. Um mm. so what do you think well who do you who do you think is is uh more mature in your relationship, you or your wife? Because I know that you said you're you're good at apologizing. Mm. But which which one do you think is more mature? Um, I, I'm honestly say this. Uh, I, I think it's probably very close to equal, but I probably would give the nod to her a little bit more um, uh, on being a mature person and kind of moving on and getting getting through things. So again, that's why I say like, no, we didn't argue about it, but am I mad about it? Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, might it take me uh, a few more seconds longer than it will for her to get over? Yeah. So I think that's where, you know, kind of some of the maturity on her end. And I think uh, I'm saying it's naturally a thing. Women are more mature most of the time in, in that respect, um, you know, and kind of trying to move through and get over things. And especially the men, depending on where it hit, if it hit the ego, you know, it's definitely going to take us a minute. Yeah. Uh, to, to get over but you know sometimes it comes between what i feel is right or what we feel is right or what we feel is wrong you know there's also kind of getting over yourself to say all right i, I gotta move past that so i think she probably does a, a better job in kind of taking in things or seeing what she has to say and, and moving on where i might stew about it a, a little bit longer okay okay i think me and my wife uh, are similar to what you described where, mm. um, like we can get into it and then she'll be over it, but I'm still, <laughs> I'm still, uh, ruminating, uh, like thinking about it. So yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
not only are you like one of the most mature people that I know, intelligent people that I know, you also one of the best dancers that I know. So <laughs> hey, big cousin moving in Detroit, man. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> hey, how did you learn how to dance so well? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if I know how to dance well. I can't put on a performance, you know. I can hold my own a little bit. Um, I, I really, I really don't know, man. Um, and it's funny. This conversation was just came up between me and my wife. Uh, we were listening to some uh, house music, or I should say, I was listening to some house music, uh-huh. and this uh, mix came on, "Brighter Days" by Jay, and that was a. Uh, uh, a song that in in high school we had a talent show and that's the song that we danced to um, and that was the first time I had been in a talent show and you know the first time I will really say that I might have danced and she was like well you know what what made you do that and you know I was just kind of like I, I really don't know because I wasn't a, a huge dancer at that point per se you know outside of a good you know rock or step to the beat but I said, one of my homeboys like, let's enter the talent show, let's dance. I'm like, I didn't know any specific dance moves, you know, and still hit a cabbage patch with a snake or something, but that wasn't the thing to do. And, you know, I was like, in terms of juking and all that, I said, I had no idea. And I said, it was a, a senior there that helped choreograph. Um, and I think we was talking about, because we we're friends on Facebook and she came to Detroit one time. And I was like, you know, that was the that was the girl who helped choreograph it. And I said, just from there, you know, I just picked up on things. It was cool. Um, and I was like, I don't know if it kind of took off because, of course, at the end of the we ended the talent show and the, and the crowd went wild after we got through. So I don't know if that went to my head or not. I was like, oh, this dancer shit is pretty cool. So you know, again, I don't I don't proclaim to be an expert, but you know, in the on the scene or whatever, I can hold my own. Um, as I went to Detroit, you know, between Detroit and Chicago, you know, they're some of the smoothest dancing out there between uh, between ballrooming and, and uh, stepping, the Chicago step. And, you know, as I got older, you know, obviously all the juking shit kind of went out the door. <laughs> yeah. So to still kind of participate, you know, you, you kind of got to learn, you got to bring it down a level and just be cool. And, you know, Detroit has ballroom hustle or, you know, line dancing, as they call it everywhere else. Um, and I just kind of picked up on it, man. I don't I don't know. I don't even know how it happened. And, and you know, it's just from, natural. It just kind of came natural. And even from that point on, man, I, I know most of my friends, whenever they talk about the club, they'll, they'll talk about me and dancing, you know, if I heard dance machine and just go all night. And it wasn't nothing just fancy, just a whole lot of moving around. That's all. <laughs> I remember that specifically when we came out to Detroit. Uh, you didn't step on nobody's toes, man. The whole thing was doing your thing. <laughs> it was like he was gliding, man. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, oddly enough, I'm not good at Chicago stepping. I can fake it a little bit. You know, I can do it okay. But I'm just not great at it. Um, and like I say, the actual ballroom uh, couple, when you talk about like a couple's ballroom, not that great at it. Again, I can do it a little, uh, but it's always something I wanted to kind of learn. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Ballroom Hustle in Detroit, you know, couple's ballroom, but it, it, it's actually real smooth and real nice. It's 
take a peek at it on YouTube when you get a chance, but it's real smooth, man. Okay. Does Kristen dance? Uh, she dances. She uh, does a lot of line dances, uh, every other dance that's out there. Uh, now she's not a she's not a big dancer on the floor all night, or you know, she's just kind of sit back, kind of every once in a while that song will come on, and she'll jump up and do a little something. But she's more of the she's more of a singer. She enjoys singing. Oh, okay. So let me ask you this. So like if y'all go out and you still want to dance, but she doesn't, would it be okay for you to dance with a, another female? What kind of dance? <laughs> um, what'd you say, Royce? Any dance. So uh uh freak 'em down dance, probably not so much. Um is it okay? I wouldn't personally see a problem with it, uh, but if she was not comfortable with it, I would not do it. Um, I remember now uh, it's a little different because she wasn't my wife, but um, you know when I was dating, um, I was dating a girl who who really loved to ballroom, you know, kind of couples ballroom, and um, you know in Detroit this the way in Detroit really this the way all the old men begin the young women. That's what it really is. They be ballrooming they ass off, <laughs> but. Um, you know, so I would do what I could do, and that was it. And, you know, a couple times, like, even dudes came and said, because this was a club she would frequent, and be like, hey, you mind if we dance? Or she'd be like, hey, I'm going to go dance. And, like, that never bothered me at, at all. So even if it was reverse, that type of dancing wouldn't bother me. Now, you know, we talking about twerk them up. Yeah, that's a different story. Different, so. <laughs> that's, that's a different story. <laughs> Okay. Well, you think uh, the twerk em up dancing is uh, less intimate than uh, the ballroom dancing? Is it less intimate? Um, I don't. It's less. Well, ballroom dancing is less evasive, if you will. <laughs> um, twerk em up, you pretty much. Uh, you're pretty much getting it in on the on the dance floor with your clothes on. Um, ballroom, there's still respectable space there. You know what I mean? You got to think uh, about it when you're doing a ballroom dance. You got to think about the move. You know what I'm saying? That you're doing. You got to lead the yeah. You got to lead the lady, right? When it comes right. to the ballroom dance. So you got to be more mindful of what you're doing opposed to right. working up dancing. So that's why I was thinking like maybe that could be more uh, more intimate than uh, just getting behind a girl and watching her do her thing. I mean, from an intimacy standpoint, I guess I could agree with you there. It's a little bit more of a, a intimate dance because it does take connection, if you will, to to, to dance. But also at the same time, um, I don't. I think that's just a whole a different type of mindset because honestly, dudes teach dudes how to ballroom. And if that's the case, and I ain't talking about no funny business, I'm just saying, like, if you want to learn, a dude can show you what to do, and y'all wouldn't look any type of way, per se, <laughs> and you can still do the moves. So that's where I think it's, you know, it's where you where you kind of take it, because also, even, even though it's a lead, I can lead you right into me, you know what I'm saying? I, I can lead you real close and grab you and hold you real tight. 
in a uh, ballroom move. And, you know, when we ballroom, sometimes that's, you know, a move that we do. You know, spin around into me, you know, and my hands are are tight around her, around her waist, around her front, so we're pressed very close together. So, you know, that, moves look, that move looks a little different if you're not dancing me or vice versa if I'm dancing with someone else. So I can kind of control or you can control what happens. Okay. So earlier you, um, you talked about like being from Chicago then going to mm -hmm. Detroit, but now you're in North Carolina. So mm -hmm. what has these three places taught you about yourself? Or what lessons have these three places instilled in you? Well, I'm going to say, um, well, North Carolina, I can't, I'm not going, there's nothing really to say it's about It's too that. fresh. It's too fresh, and I'm going to almost say, uh, almost say I am who I am at this point. Okay. Uh, so I don't, I'm sure it will, but I don't know that I will kind of contribute North Carolina to my upbringing. Okay. Uh, but Chicago was home, so, you know, there's just the foundation for who you are and, and what you are and, and meaning what you're going to stand for. Um, you know, just that upbringing of um, staying for something, mostly yourself, you know, not being a follower. I think that was instilled heavily from an upbringing um, to protect yourself. That obviously was an upbringing, um, and that goes on, on all levels, you know, physically from harm. Uh, mentally from her, you know, those are just things that were instilled with me as a child as I grew up. Um, but Detroit is probably where I became more of me because that was more of my adulthood, you know, left Chicago at 16, 15, 16. Um, you know, so I just really was getting on the cusp of even being able to do anything, if you will, driving and all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I left for college. So you know, from 15 on up, I pretty much was in Detroit. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. You went to college at 16? Yeah. <laughs> 96. Was born in 79, went there in 96. Okay. So, um, See, I, I told you he was intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I think more of the Detroit from an older perspective is in me and um, you know, for those who don't know or you may know, Detroit is a is a hustle town. Um and it's it's all about the hustle. Um, good and bad, if you will. But nonetheless, it's it's that hustle, that that grit and the grind that I think has kind of rubbed off on me a lot more in, in getting up and getting out and doing something uh with myself, with my life. Um and and kind of not letting things hold you back. Uh, we talked a little bit about, a little earlier about, you know, just sky's the limit almost type of thing. And, you know, I think that's what I kind of picked up from there. Uh, but the one thing is that it don't come easy. It's all a grind. You know, a lot of people, and that's almost feels like everybody in Detroit is grinding. Even from a work, you talk about, you know, autos. The, the plants are a huge thing. You know, that's a huge piece of, of the economy there. Mm -hmm. And it's about a grind in there. You know, you're going in there, standing on your feet 10, 12 hours or doing doubles, whatever it is. That's a grind, you know, to just kind of do that. It's a nitty gritty job. Um, you know, you, when we talk about the streets of Detroit, it's just everything is a grind. It's a hustle to to try and get yours and to make a way for yourself. And I think that's one of the things that's kind of stuck with me. 
like that. All right, so um, we're going to get ready to wrap it up. Uh, Royce, did you have any any last questions for Renee? Uh, no, nah, he, he pretty much covered it all, man, from uh... – the the grinders mentality to to the to the dancing you know to, <laughs> to, to the kids yeah we good all right cool so um, Neil can you let you know everybody know like if they wanted to get in contact with you how they could follow you how they could reach out to you yeah don't no I'm just kidding <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not I'm not huge not huge social media and you know uh, we were talking about earlier about my age you know I'm forty now. And, you know, 40 is, I guess, the old man status now. And it, it's funny because you hear things and realize you fit into that category. So, you know, I guess the word is that Facebook is for the old people. And, uh, you know, Instagram and all that is for the youngest. So I'm with the old people and I'm on Facebook. Um, nothing fancy. You know, my my name is my is my Facebook page, Ronell Starks. Uh, so, you know, feel free to to message me um if you like uh, email too uh only thing i say i'm horrible at email but it's uh, ssrenell at yahoo.com um and i'm only horrible because it'd be a lot of just junk up in there so a lot of stuff get past me um but yeah feel free to reach out on, on either one of those cool cool all right so um well thank you man i want to just say thank you for for coming on with us, um, like you've you've been the inspiration to me, man. Like my whole life, ever since you killed that rap, man. I, I looked up to you. So. <laughs> no, nah, but for real, you, you have. yeah, you you have, man. Uh, and I appreciate you, man. But, uh, I appreciate you all uh, having me on. It definitely was a fun, good conversation. Uh, you know, and I definitely appreciate the sentiment and the comments uh, from you. You know, know that I, I appreciate uh, I was talking to your mom, I think a couple of days ago. And, you know, she's just talking about the things you do. And, you know, and I think I've also said it to you in some of the comments. It actually goes to both of y'all. You know, I just, the work that y'all are doing, man, is special. And um, I was just like, you know, I, I'm so glad my cousin is involved with this. I was just telling her I'm very proud of, of what you were doing. Because um, this this piece that y'all doing the offering is a lot, man. One of the things that you all do is is you're offering black men a, a, a safe hood or a safe haven, if you will, to just come and talk. Um, one of the most impressive things about what y'all do, and in in, I guess the standard that you set is that we talk and, you know, everybody is heard. That's that's very important. Um, there hasn't been any arguments, some disagreements, and some surprises, but there's no arguments, and it's been a very safe place. You know, people have definitely said some things that I wouldn't imagine they would in a, in a company of uh, strangers, but everybody feels comfortable, and to bring people together in that format um, is awesome. And we um, well appreciate it. So y'all keep up the good work, especially the charity work that y'all doing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate that, brother. For sure, for sure. All right, we're going to wrap it up. It's another episode of WTF Interviews. Mr. Renell, Dr. Raheem Young, definitely appreciate y'all brothers and y'all perspectives. And uh, we'll see y'all again uh, next week. All right, man. Yes, yes. Thank you 
for listening to WTF Interviews. If you want to get in contact with us, you can reach us via our website, WTFatherhood.org. Also, our Facebook page and our Facebook group will be listed in the description below as well. Uh, I ask you to leave a a review as it helps more people receive the message. And uh, again, until next time, be well. You already are.